Thank you for joining me for Soulful Conversations with my community of fellow travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. These conversations highlight what travel really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. Each week, I'll be speaking to women who are tourism professionals, world travelers, and leaders in their communities. We'll explore how travel has changed them and how that has rippled out and inspired them to change the world. These conversations are as much about travel as they are about passion and living life with purpose, chasing dreams, building businesses, and having the desire to make the world a better place. This is a community of people who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness, and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. I'm Christine Weinbrenner-Eirich, and this is The Soul of Travel. Welcome to Season 4 of Soul of Travel. I am so excited for this conversation today. We'll be speaking with Iris Serbanescu, who is an adventure travel enthusiast and champion for gender equity in the tourism industry. She's also the proud founder of Women's Work, the tourism industry's first 12-week business accelerator for early-stage women and non-binary entrepreneurs. She is also the founder of B2B sales agency by Iris, established to help experiential tour operators and hotel develop meaningful industry partnerships. She has over a decade of experience in the industry, specifically in supporting owner-operated businesses. Close to Iris's heart is a desire to support local entrepreneurs who are curating community-led, incredible experiences that open travelers' hearts and minds to the positive impact they can have by traveling in a more thoughtful way. In our conversation, Iris and I talk about the importance of community, especially as women in business, and how these communities are reshaping the ways we think about doing business. We also break down what it means to be successful and share the importance of defining our own measure of success. We are both so passionate about creating spaces for women to fully express themselves in business and in life, and we were able to sprinkle this throughout our conversation and our time together. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Iris Serbanescu. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I am so excited that we are kicking off season four today. And we get to kick off season four with a friend, colleague, mentor, all the things of mine. So it feels like the perfect way to start. But first, we're going to just start with a mini celebration that we're just about to record the 100th episode of the podcast. And today just hit the milestone of 10,000 lifetime downloads. Yay, I'm so excited to bring that energy into this show. This season in the podcast, I have decided I really want to explore not only the influence that travel has had on the lives of each of my guests, but also how women are setting out to do business differently. 
And I think these two things really go hand in hand, this inspiration that we see when we travel and how that influences how we want to show up in the world. There's just this beautiful flow of the way that shows up. And in the community I spend time in, I see this over and over. And I've noticed in the podcast, these conversations are not really just about the soul of travel anymore, but they've really kind of become about the soul of women. I'm leaning into that. We're going to talk a lot about the value of community and mentorship and personal growth and how each of the guests are working from our hearts and living our passions and how this leads to a different way of being in business and life. That said, I'm so excited to welcome our next guest, the season opener for season four, because I think these are so important in your life as well. So welcome. Um, Iris Serbanescu is joining us and she is the founder of Women's Work, which is the tourism industry's first business accelerator focused on early stage women and non-binary entrepreneurs. And I am so blessed to have been a part of the first cohort of that program. It was amazing. So welcome, Iris. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening to your podcast religiously. So it's kind of wild that I'm actually a guest on it now. Really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for listening. And I know that community and the stories of women are really important to both of us. So I think that this is going to be such a great way for us to dive into those topics. As we get started, obviously, I know who you are, but let's let the guests get to know you a little bit better. If you could just share a little bit about your background and who you are in the space of travel right now. Absolutely. I've been in the travel industry for about a decade. Feels crazy saying that out loud, but I joined the travel industry in 2012 and it was a very deliberate decision. It was completely my passion. It was something that I always looked at as a hobby and not really as something that I could turn into a career. But I was working at a corporate insurance brokerage in Toronto on Bay Street at the time, which is like the Canadian version of Wall Street. And I really just felt so disconnected from from what I was doing and from myself as a person and as somebody in their early 20s. And I made the conscious decision that I didn't really want to live that way. I wanted to live in a way that was very much aligned with my with my passion and with my with my hobbies and with my soul and that my job and my career had to be a part of that. I deliberately marched into my boss's office at the time after a year and a half of working as a risk analyst at this corporate insurance brokerage. And I just told him, listen, I'm really grateful for the time that I had here, but I'm I need to follow my dreams and I'm going to go work in the travel industry. I'm going to have to quit this job. I'm going to move back in with my parents. I'm going to go back to school and get my tourism management diploma and then figure everything out from there. That was a really big realization for me that I was following my dreams and taking risks and kind of almost going back to the beginning a little bit in order to do that. And I got full support from him and it was wonderful. And I ended up getting into the travel industry with my first job a couple of years later. And this whole time that I've been in the industry for about 10 years, I've really been working with, in a partnerships capacity, business to business tourism consulting capacity, working with small owner operated businesses all over the world, working in sustainability and in community based tourism and all of those niches. And over during the pandemic, I guess that would have been year eight of my time in the travel industry. 
I came to realize that there was a really big gender gap in tourism and something that I had always kind of noticed through my work in my previous roles. And that's something that I just took it at face value. Like I, I was like, yeah, it's all men in leadership it, for the most part in the travel industry. I noticed that when I worked at a marketing consulting agency for five years in my career and noticed that most of our clients were men. I would say out of, out of the portfolio we had, 95% were male owned businesses. And I just kind of, I had internalized that. Like it was like, that was just the way things are. But during the pandemic, I had a little bit of time to kind of sit with what the, what I wanted to do with the rest of my career and what the travel industry needed and what I could do to sort of close this gap that I had noticed. And so anyways, I started doing a little bit of research on women in travel and women in leadership and found that 60% of the industry is made up of women, but less than 8% of board positions in the industry are held by women. And that was like such a staggering stat to me. It was it was insane. It was like, how is this? How is no one really doing anything about this? I gave it some thought, figured out where my strengths were and what I could do to help be the change, as they say, and build back better, because that's a term you've heard a lot in the travel industry, and decided to start this business that empowered women and non-binary folks to start their own businesses and get support in the early stages, like arguably the most fraught with self-doubt those early stages. Like you just, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know, maybe you don't know the industry at all. And you often like let that hold you back. Like you often let those things just stop you from taking any action. And so I didn't really have any model to look to because nothing like this existed. But I was like, I bet that there's a need for this. Like I bet there are people out there that want to start their own businesses that need that support in that container and that expert guidance and, and education and all of that. I came up with this idea to start women's work, to start a community that would support women in travel and women outside of the industry who wanted to get into the industry and start their own businesses. Because it's something that I needed at the time. I was like, well, I want to start my own business. It would be nice if something like this existed. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. (laughs) And so I quit my job at the time I was working as a director at a travel tech company. And I quit my job and started working away on women's work and launched the first cohort in January, which you were a part of. I'm so grateful for that. It was such a special experience to have you as part of the beta cohort and help us iron out all the kinks. But that's sort of where I got how I got to where I'm at now as the founder. And it's been a beautiful journey. Thank you. I think that something that really we both connected on is probably that same moment of awareness in our careers when we were looking for women to be mentors and who we were looking up to in the industry. And I had a very similar kind of thought as I was at different parts of my career and thinking like, Oh, here's the, this woman and this woman that I really inspire to be like in my career. And I'm like, wait, why is there only like two or three women that I'm inspiring to be like? And then because everywhere else in my life, I've surrounded myself by communities of women, mothers, entrepreneurs, like all these different facets. But in the tourism industry, I felt like I didn't have that same community. And I realized that these one or two or three women are the few women I've ever seen 
on a stage at an event whose story I've gotten to know or whose business I got to know. And I was like, wait a second. This cannot be true. I know other women in this industry. And this is kind of how Soul of Travel evolved is I first started talking to people that were just really in the same space of transformational, impactful travel and wanting to tell their stories as you mentioned, as we were thinking about how we were going to build back better. And really in the moment, it was just how are we going to survive? And when, and if we do, this is where I want travelers to land. I think it was before build back better was even an idea. <laughs> but then like in the very first conversation, I was talking with a mutual colleague friend of ours, Gabby Stoll. And we right away were talking about what it was like to be a woman in this industry. And I was just like, oh, what am I doing? Like everywhere else, I'm advocating for the voices of women. And with this podcast, it hadn't really landed on me to create that space. After that first season, I was like, okay, this is the direction we're heading. I want all of these women to be able to have a moment to share their story for other people to hear from them and be inspired by them and try to create community for women in the space of travel. So I think it's definitely why. When you and I met, we immediately were like, aha, yes, we must do things together. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like instant connection. It was like, we're so aligned. It's just... And the more of us there are, the better. Like, And I feel like we just gravitate towards each other. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. We can just just sense that in, in people's energy. Yeah. And you, and like you said, yeah, the gravitational force of that is awesome because I think people have been looking for it. And so everybody kind of has like half an antenna up hoping that this is going to come by them. And as soon as they hear it, they're, they're in. And that is one thing that I really loved about being in the program is the way that women showed up. And we'll talk about this as we learn more about it, but the way other women showed up to mentor the women in this program and how much they shared of themselves and what that meant and how different that is from a typical business setting. Like it just is a very different energy and a different space. And it's so valuable. What I would love to start with kind of to explore and unpack this is my book group that I have, the Lotus Book Sojourn has been reading The Awakened Woman by Dr. Tarari Trent. And in it, she asks like, what is your great unquenchable hunger? Like, what is this thing you're setting out to do? And I think I would love to kind of think I have a sense of this, but what is the change that you're trying to create in the world? And how does women's work allow for you to create that change? Oh, goosebumps. I love this. Okay. Such a good question. In my career as a woman, I always internalized these without knowing subconsciously, always internalized these versions of success in my mind of what success looked like and what somebody who was successful looked like and the qualities that they had and all of that. And I, it it was a combination of people that were my mentors or bosses combination of like what I was seeing out there in the world and who I was interacting with and who I was seeing in positions of power and all this stuff. And what I came to realize and, and really become aware of is that these people that I was looking up to were really male archetype focused. So very, could be just like, how do I describe it? Like dominant, kind of 
very, very sure of themselves. Like there's no room for any sort of uncertainty or lack of confidence. Like there was no, it was like, you had to be sure of yourself. You had to show up a hundred percent knowing exactly what you were going to be doing, saying, talking about. It had to be perfect. The way that you, it was almost like there was this unattainable version of what success looked like in my mind that was always going to leave me falling short because I didn't match those male archetype qualities. And and I don't mean male necessarily in terms of gender, but maybe more like masculine qualities. And what I've been doing over the past few years is sort of like unlearning that definition of success so that I could create it for myself and create it for others as well. Because when I show up fully as, as who I am and as a woman who is a leader and a founder and everything like that, I break the mold of what what male leadership looks like and allow people around me to kind of breathe the sigh of relief maybe that like, yeah, like she's not perfect and she's still successful and she's still showing up and she's bringing her whole self to the table. And I love the way that this is embodied through women's work because like, you know, we've been in all of our events and all of our workshops and like, we get pretty deep. Like it doesn't just talk. We don't just talk about business. We actually, when we get together, we talk about, we talk about life and we talk about our insecurities and we talk about things that aren't normally found in a boardroom. And I think that that's the missing link in this world of entrepreneurship and life, especially for women that we, we tend to hold ourselves back in order to present an image that's acceptable by the world as somebody who's successful or somebody who's has it all together and like doesn't leave room for talking about kids or I like I think we even had on one of our calls one of the women was breastfeeding and it was just like yes like this is the kind of world I want to live in where we can bring our whole selves to the table and just realize that that's not mutually exclusive with being successful, that you can run your business the way you want to run it, the way your intuition is telling you to step into and not uphold this unattainable version of success that we all have internalized through years and years of conditioning. That's really my mission. It's that it's bringing our whole selves to the table and making that the norm and normalizing everything, everything to do with whatever it is outside of business to talk about, to be, to be heard and to just, yeah, to make that a normal part of how we run our businesses as women. Mm -hmm. I love that. There's a couple of things in there that really reminded me of one conversation that I had with a past guest. We were talking about how in the context of work, in the way that it's shaped right now, is that employees come to work and humans don't come to work in that you're this completely other entity in the workspace. So that means you don't show up as a mother, you don't show up as a wife, you don't show up as a sister and a daughter. And should anything unravel in any of those areas of your life, they have to be outside of those doors, which is such an unrealistic expectation, especially for women, because we're usually the ones managing all these other things. And it's just impossible to not let that influence who we are. And then I think what that also does is it doesn't allow us, like you said, to bring our full self into the space of work. And whether that's working for someone else or as an entrepreneur, 
you're cutting off half of who you are. And why would you want that from anyone that is your employee? It might mean that occasionally your employee has to leave early for a soccer match or a ballet recital, but it also means that they're like not stifling any part of themselves. And so their creativity and their what they're able to give you is actually much more of a full version of themselves. And I think this is that shift energetically that you're talking about. Like in the past are the people we're looking up to with that definition of success are those people that work 80 hours a week and they have won all the awards and they sit in the boardroom and they are commanding of the space. And so we're all working toward that. And in order to do that, we do have to like excise this part of ourselves, whether you're a man or a woman, you're like denying all these other parts. And so what I loved so much about the conversations we did have in women's work was, was hearing that was like, not just seeing the finished sparkly final version of success, but like witnessing this, like I stepped into this role. I had no idea what I was doing. I hashed it out and like made this mistake, learned this thing, connected with this person, backpedaled and did this, went over here. And then we got to this like pseudo shiny version of success, which was really amazingly also showcased in like not shiny. There was this ability to see these women as leaders, as successful without having to be perfect. Like this is what I would love to talk about a little bit more in our conversation is one, how do we break that down? Because I will, I know all of this. I think all about it. And in every interview I have, at the end of the day, I'm always like, whoa, look it. <laughs> they are also human and didn't just like magically become successful. And listening to the women in your group every time, like it's so ingrained in us. So how do we get that out? And how do we make it more possible to become the women that we look up to in business? Ooh, I love that question. I think it's such a journey. It's really a journey of awareness of what our internalized versions of success are. Understanding like, what do we view as strengths in leadership? What do we view as weaknesses in leadership? Where do we see ourselves fitting into that? Where did those ideologies come from? And how can we sort of like take stock of ourselves and who we are and redefine that definition for ourselves? So like to give you an example with my experience, it was funny. I'm going to get a little like hippie here, but we, I was on an entrepreneur retreat and one of the, one of the things was a tarot card reading and we had a woman come in and, and read our tarot and you had to ask a question. And my question was like, and this is like, this is pretty vulnerable, actually, but I'm happy to share. I had launched the first cohort of women's work. And I was like, okay, I am successful. Like I'm making money with my venture I'm supporting other people. I'm creating the type of impact that I want to have. And so in all, for all intents and purposes, I'm successful. However, I feel this dissonance between this like, how do I describe it? Just sort of like, I was like, is this it? Like, is this what success is supposed to feel like? Like, I sort of feel like I'm just not 
Like, was this supposed to bring me happiness? Was I supposed to like achieve my way to happiness? Like, what exactly am I looking for here? And like, how am I going to reach what I want in a way that feels good to me and feels sustainable? So my question to her was like, am I on the right path? Because I'm not really feeling fulfilled enough in what I'm doing. And I'm just not sure if this is this is the right way to do it. And a card, the card that she pulled was the romance card. And it was about falling in love with your way of doing things and falling in love with your version of success and falling in love with your career for what it is like, not for who you think you're supposed to be. Like, I realized that I still had this version of me that was, I'm supposed to be up here. I'm supposed to have these qualities, but I actually don't think I do. And I'm already setting myself up for failure because I'm not self-honoring what I truly want. And when I started like picking that apart and being like, well, what does that look like? And what does that mean for me? And I came to realize like, I want to show up fully as myself, as a mentor and as a leader in this capacity and not hold myself back because I don't think that I have all of the qualities that a mentor or a leader should have. And I started sort of like writing this all down and looking at okay, what's my picture of success? And then where do, where do I think I fit in? And how can I unlearn this picture of success so that I can fully step into who I am and like fully capitalize on the fact that, yes, I love talking about energy and I'm kind of a hippie. And I don't think that that is a bad thing. And I can bring that into how I lead and how I manage. But like prior to that, probably, you know, I kind of held back that part of myself because I was like, it's just not like people aren't going to take me seriously. Like, I don't think people are going to respect me. Like we hold ourselves back when really like what people respect is somebody who fully steps into who they are and owns it because it allows everyone around them, as I said before, to like breathe a sigh of relief and be like, yes, like, so my, I like my, my answer to this question is kind of to sit with yourself and look at where you hold yourself back because you think you're not enough and lean into those so much more and be surprised at what happens. Oh, that is so good. Thank you for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate the magic and the hippie and the woo and all the <laughs> So I'm here for it. Always bring it. And you were talking about kind of how those qualities that like you feel like you could check off a box because they have value and then the things that feel like they don't. And I think that's such a huge, amazing thing to examine and look at and see what you do, how you do feel about those things. And I had kind of this awareness. I did a, I think it was Strengths Finder or one of those assessment tests. Oh, I love Strengths Finder. Yeah. And it was like, here's your top five strengths or whatever, or here's I can't remember exactly what it was, but mine were like, all of them had to do with learning. Every single one of my top five strengths had to do with processing information, sharing information, learning information, and like learning for the sake of learning. And I was just (laughs) like, well, this is definitely me. (laughs) You can see my bookshelf behind me. And like, I mean, I will read everything. I have taken classes in the history of rock and roll. I have taken classes in genetic engineering. I have taken interior design classes. I cannot stop learning. I love it. It like awakens something in me. And I love watching other people learn. Like I am obsessed with knowledge. 
And I thought these were things that took away from actual strengths. Like this is what absorbs my time and my mental capacity and doesn't allow me to be XYZ. And when I saw that on a list as my strengths, I was like, wait, I get to be those? Like, I don't have to hide those things. I don't, I I could actually shape my world around these strengths instead of like needing to be organized and able to communicate my thoughts clearly or like whatever list that we have of these qualities of success that we like like, very much what you were saying, like they're total. Yes. (laughs) So like they are nobody's (laughs) strengths. And in fact, like, I remember my interviews back in the day of interviewing and they're like, well, what's your number one strength? And I'm like, well, I'm a perfectionist, but I'm really trying to, I'm like, oh my gosh, garbage. Like I was a perfectionist, but it was from the wrong places. Like, because I'm Mm -hmm. feeling like I need to meet everybody's expectations and I am not like I'm overcompensating for this, this, and this. And so uh, my perfectionism is actually like a disaster waiting to happen. But it felt like the thing everybody wanted to hear from me that I can multitask and I am a self-starter. And all, But those were like the worst manifestations of any of my strengths. But they felt like they were the ones that went on the list of agreeable skills and assets. And so... I love this idea of being like, what, how do we see success? How does, how is that even in alignment with who we truly are? And if we could be the most successful version of ourselves, what would we be doing? And like, I feel like they're always on the complete opposite page from one another and they can be in the same like area. But I think again, it goes back to like showing up as who you are, like if, as soon as you, like you said, if you just acknowledge like, this is important to me, this is how I express it. This is how it shows up in work. Then this is when the next thing like happens in a way that feels so much better. And now you're doing something in alignment with who you are, then it's like becoming more powerful and more impactful because I'm doing the thing only I can do because I'm the only person that sees it the way I see it and moves through it the way I move through it. And then you become magnetic. People want that. People are dying for authenticity. They want somebody that does things differently and just it like lights, like what you're doing, like it lights me up so much. It's, I've never listened to a podcast in the travel industry that wasn't about like business tactics. Like, and you're creating, you've created this space where people can come and be their whole selves and like share how they're not perfect and like their non-linear journeys to where that got them to where they are today in a position of of success and and power and whatnot but like how that journey wasn't wasn't easy and wasn't straightforward and as you're talking this came to me and i don't know i'm just gonna say it out loud and i don't even know if it makes sense in the context we're talking about but my mindset coach has this phrase about it's not who we are that holds us back it's who we think we're not And to me, that means when we look at those versions of success that we think we should be, and we think we're not those, that's what stops us. It's not the lack of embracing of who we are. It's that we're like, oh, like, I'm not these things. Therefore, I can't do this thing. I can't start this business. I can't do X, Y, Z. So if we can shift that narrative to like, yeah, I'm not those things. And it's my superpower. 
because these are my things. These are what my strengths are. And this is why the world is like thirsty for people like this, like that are stepping outside of that ideal definition of success. So it's like, that's what I noticed when I started with women's work was that I got, I think I filled the first cohort in two weeks. Like I, I, had no idea that anybody wanted something like this. And I was just like, you know what? Traditional business accelerators are just constantly talking about like KPIs and ROI and focused on growth and all of this stuff. And I'm going to do something different where we don't talk about, we talk about that, but like it's not the main crux of the program. We actually talk about a lot of other stuff and how that integral that is to our business success and I'm going to make it just for women and blah, blah, blah. You know how that turned out? Like it's, it, people were like, thank you for starting this. Cause like this didn't exist before. And if I had just ascribed myself to the typical versions of success, I would have started an accelerator that was for tech companies for women, not for tour operators or for hotels or service providers. Like I would have done just the traditional route and ex- continue to exclude people that didn't see, didn't want that kind of success, but wanted success on their own terms. And so that's how I see women's work really bringing those people together is like, let's all create success on our own terms. That could be having a business that doesn't grow a hundred percent year over year, but that keeps us and makes us so happy and allows us to live life in alignment with who we are. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my mission. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And I think the thing that is so amazing and we can kind of talk about the role of community in our lives, but when you find a place like this to land where you can start to really be honest with yourself and then start to be honest with others, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. And to have a space where you feel like I've been in business, like you said, other business accelerators or other groups and they're like, go ahead, write that number down. How much do you want to make per month? And people are like 50,000. And I was like, God, oh, that's terrifying. Like, can we start with five? I and but you can't write that down. And so then you're writing down some other thing just so that you don't feel shame and guilt for the way everybody else is talking in that space. And I just loved that I could have written down right now like five hundred dollars a month. Like nobody would have even said nobody would have said anything. They would have just been like, Great, how are you gonna do that? Why does that number feel good to you? And like, that's it. Like there, there just was this ability to be who you are. And then like when one person does it, then the next person's like, okay, this is what we're doing here. Great. And then like they do it. And then we can all really show up for each other and support each other because we really know what one another wants. And like, it's just so much more attainable. And then we also can start like reflecting possibilities back upon each other. Because I think, like you said, if we're, if we really think we're supposed to be this version and that's the one we're reaching toward, we're failing. But when someone says like, this is who I see you and this is what I really think is possible for you. And then you start reshaping that. Like you're, you start reaching for higher things when you're reaching in a different direction, I guess. Like it's just, it really changes how you're pushing forward. Oh, yes. I love that. That's such a good way to put it. You have these folks in your corner who see the highest version of you. And when you can't really see it yourself and they keep you not accountable, but keep you honest to that version of you. 
Like that's the biggest thing with how I do everything in business, not just with women's work, but I always feel that everybody has the answers inside of them. And I am not the person to come and tell you how to, there's no blueprint for how to run your business. It truly is so individual. And what you mentioned before about like, let's make $50,000 this month, like blah, blah. There are risks and things that maybe feel unsafe to people about making that much money. And maybe that's not what they want. So why is it that we always have to be ignoring our inner knowing in order to become successful? Well, I mean, you don't always have to be, but that's kind of the the narrative that we're fed. So what you were talking about with like honesty, like and vulnerability and that breeding the place for true connection to other people and to ourselves and our, our passion and our businesses is so bang on. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I, I think to the, what I was just thinking in terms of like how we're achieving this better version of ourselves, like it also allows us to grow through these points. And when you're supported, it's easier to kind of grow through them. Like maybe you have to write that 500 first and then you can like grow right through it and get to a thousand. But if you're trying to like go for this far reaching thing, that's not in alignment with you, 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 you're going to get stuck at 500, whether you are meant to be there or not. And so that is helpful. And then also the way that we start to support one another And it's like you said, it's not really accountability, but it's just like this deep belief in what one another is doing and the way we share each other's work or where the way we come back to them and reflect someone's spark about their business. And like when they're starting to dwindle and be like, I'm not sure this is working. This week was really hard. This thing fell apart. And then you're like, remember when you were said this was so amazing and I can't stop thinking about that. And I know that's true for you. And again, this like goes against everything we've ever been taught about business and being colleagues or coworkers or whatever, it it tears it apart because we honestly want each other's success as much or more than we want our own success. And I really think this is actually true of people, but this is one of those things we've had to kill in ourselves to be quote unquote successful. And again, like this kind of community And I think many of the communities that I've landed in over the course of the pandemic have gotten real honest about this. And like everyone's like, oh, well, when one of us rise, we rise together. And it's become like something that's overused. But I think people want it to be true. More people than we will admit want it to be true. (laughs) And so I don't know. I would love to kind of talk about the importance of community and and how we do like succeed better together. Yeah, this is so key. I remember talking about this on the very first women's work kickoff call about how we're going to do things differently together and how we're conditioned, especially as women to compete with each other instead of collaborate. And that's just not the way anymore. Like that is absolutely the opposite of what we should be doing and what feels natural to us because you're right like the innate human desire i think is to is for community like we grew up in packs and so like to survive like we all need each other we all need to help each other out and we've sort of stifled that in 
the pursuit of like capitalism and competition and businesses that if I have more of the pie, that means you can't have more of the pie. Like that's just not the case. And I can't like, I don't even know what it is about celebrating each other that makes us more successful. But I think it's that idea that like success is not built in a silo. And if you look at everybody in your life that has contributed to your success, you will see how interconnected and how interdependent we are on each other. And that alone is motivation to continue doing that, to continue bucking the trend of competing instead of collaborating. Because you can see how much people have impacted you. You can see how much you've impacted other people. And this is actually a fun exercise to do is like write down everybody that has helped you with to get to where you are that has contributed or even just had an impact on your mental state and has helped support you. Like think about all of that. I I did this myself. I did this exercise a few weeks ago and it was just like, Oh my God, like if it wasn't for the people that signed up for the program and helped me kind of build, build it for the first 12 weeks that I ever did it. If it wasn't for my mentor who reflected things back at me in a certain way that helped me step up higher. If it wasn't for this person who put my name forth to speak at a conference and I was able to reach a big goal of mine to speak as a presenter at a conference, like all of these things, you're like, never in a million years could I have done that alone. You actually just can't, like, it's just a fact. We all need each other and we all succeed together. Then you start to think like, okay, how good does it feel to help somebody else succeed like how good would it feel to be part of their story and that motivator kind of from in my experience takes you through those moments where you're like is this person in competition with me should I really be helping them like like it reminds you like why we're all here that it's not about that it's not the short-sighted way of doing business where you can't like give any of your trade secrets away but it's actually like when when we do this together, we all benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then start to shape a better space anyway, which then again, is better for everybody. But I I have had this conversation a lot too, with people that saying like, well, how come you're supporting this person? Their business is very similar to yours and this person and theirs is so similar. And like, actually, I mean, similar, I guess, however you want to take that word, but I can guarantee that like, if, this business and this person and this business and this person and myself were like given all the resources to create a trip to the exact same destination that not one of us would create the same experience and not one of us would create it for the same person. So like competition is so relative. Like it it really, even if you were like, let's use the same guide, it's still going to be different. Like, there's just no way that we are in competition. And I think it takes a long time to get to that place to trust that what you are doing is different enough that you can lean into that. And I think that that takes a lot of this inner work that you're saying you bring into women's work because you you do kind of have to get to that point of being like, what I have got, these like all these pieces that are my formula are exactly what someone else needs. And they're exactly what these people need. And they are not at all what these people need. And it's okay. Like, because you only need these people. Like, that's who you're meant to serve. 
And again, like that goes against capitalism and every other business mindset is like, well, I must create something that serves the masses. But first I have to do it after really narrowing who my ideal client is so that it's like one person. And yet like I have to be in competition with everybody. And then you'd be like me sitting in a space of business. And I'm like, does anyone else notice that none of this really actually makes sense? (laughs) And you start dying when you're trying to create your business. And so I just think it's, it's, it's so crazy when you start really like really looking at these things and breaking them down and seeing why they feel uncomfortable. And yeah, I don't know. That was some kind of random babbling, but (laughs) I love it. No, you nailed it. This is exactly, this is exactly it. Like there is actually no such thing as competition. Wow. You're really reframing my paradigm here in this moment. Yeah. Like there is no such thing as competition because we all attract who we're meant to attract to our businesses. Like they will do business how did that, how does it explain that they're like coaching is the most saturated industry in the world? Yet there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of coaches who make millions of dollars because they're attracting the kinds of people that are right for them. It's the same with the type of business that you built. It's their people are attracted to your unique brand. And like a mantra that I like to say is I'm looking for the people that are looking for me and you can substitute clients. People or whatever the case may be, but it's like you want the people that are aligned with you. You're not trying to compete with the people that are aligned with someone else who's doing the same thing as you. You're bringing in the right people, and that exactly that what you said makes sense. Like it does take a lot of trust in yourself and building up your confidence through whatever you need to do to start to believe that. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think too, in business, if if you're really talking about leaning into who you are and what you want to create, why would you want the people that were not meant to be on your trip or in your experience or part of your program that aren't meant to be there anyway? Because they're going to be resisting it the whole time. And then you're just trying to like adjust and pivot to make it work for them when you should have just said no in the first place or said (laughs) this, this isn't the right thing for you. But but again, it's like when the goal is this dollar, then you have to say yes. But if the goal is this other outcome that if your success is defined by like a feeling or an outcome or a, or a, an idea shift, then your success can be different. Like it just creates a different space. And I think you can still have financial success, but you just are creating something that doesn't have that as the only measure of success. I don't know. I just, and then everybody is like, again, like spinning in their zone of expertise and creating and dealing with their own brand of magic. And then just give it to the next person who's meant to be with them. And they're going to all have a better experience too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we, I actually think the whole definition of success is flawed because it's like there's so many versions of it and it doesn't even matter. What matters is that you're living in alignment with what you're meant to be doing and the best way to quote unquote success, that version of success of living in alignment is to just get super clear on what lights you up. And I'm speaking now to like entrepreneurs who are listening. Like it's really about just like, you getting so clear on the type of business you want to have, not on the type of business you think you should have. And basically just eliminating the word should from your vocabulary. (laughs) That's my one piece of advice. I need to tell myself that every single day. It's really hard. But 
yeah, I just feel like we can all, we all win when we're living in alignment with our own version of that. Yeah. And I think you could even paint that into the context of travel because as a traveler, you can be seeking the kind of experience that creates that feeling for you as well. And I would argue should be seeking that. Like there's no one-stop shop in travel experiences. People should, should, I just use that. (laughs) (laughs) Be looking for what is an extension of themselves or what, what are you, what are you curious about learning right now? What are you, how do, how would you like to feel in a travel experience? Not just like, what would I like to see? Where, where would I like to go? But what are other ways we can look at what we're looking for out of a travel experience and then be in alignment with that and then see how that actually helps us on our own personal growth journey. And so like then travel can become this process that is a part of this as well. Love that. Well, there were a few more things that I wanted to dive into, but I feel like we really hit so many amazing things. Before we end the conversation, I want to just give you a quick opportunity to talk a little bit more about women's work and who it's for, just for if people are listening who are entrepreneurs, when they can join. I think the next cohort is already locked and loaded. But after that, if people are looking for that, where can they find out more information? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we have our next cohort launching September 19th, which is in just about three weeks. But the next one after that will be in winter 2023. So starting in February, and the applications are open now. So they can find more information on LinkedIn, just women's work is the name WMNSWORK. Our website's going to be launching next month. So we'll have more info on that to you soon. And yeah, really looking for folks who are who identify as women or genderqueer and are looking for a support in their first year of business. They could either be in the ideation phase and haven't launched yet, or they could be having launched and just in their first year or two of business that really need support in navigating some business challenges that come up in those first couple of years. Specifically geared, the curriculum is specifically geared towards tour operators and hotels, like so tourism suppliers. But in this upcoming cohort, we actually have a couple of businesses that are that don't fit that mold and they're there to learn from mentors, from the other folks in the group, to take away bits and pieces from the curriculum and to just be part of that community and really soak in that community. So it really is open to everyone that sees value in the curriculum, but the it is tailored towards tourism supplier side of the industry. And the structure is that we have weekly workshops over 12 weeks. We have co-working sprints, which are my favorite because there's nothing more isolating than working on your business by yourself <laughs> at home, jumping on, doing, doing business, doing, working on our businesses together on Zoom. And then having, we also have peer support circles where we chat every two weeks. Some people call them masterminds. We like to call them peer support circles. We just bring up, you know, discussions about what we're facing, challenges we're facing in our businesses or in our personal lives and work through those together. And finally, one-on-one mentorship is a really big part of the program that folks really found valuable the last time because they kind of had a guide to work through some issues in their businesses or answer questions that came up along the way from somebody who's actually gone through and done it themselves before. I like to match people up with, with people who have similar businesses or expertise in an area where that entrepreneur tends to be lacking. 
So yeah, next cohort's February 2023. And I'm really excited to announce that applications are already open now. Folks can apply if they're interested. And thank you so much for giving me this platform to talk about it. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, excellent. Well, I'm excited to know that it's already already is. So people can look for that now. The last thing is just a few fun rapid fire-ish questions to end our call, which as you listen, you know, you're prepared that these are coming your way. Some people are like, wait a second. <laughs> um, anxiety-inducing part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't be, but it often is, it seems. <laughs> what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires adventure? I love Dead Poets Society. I know it's not a travel themed movie, but there is a sense of adventure throughout. And it's just my favorite movie for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of movies that kind of play in curiosity and exploration and those kind of movies like evoke a different sense of travel or it's like the same wanderlust nerve that they tap into. (laughs) What is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? An eye mask and earplugs. Where do you still long to visit? I was supposed to go to New Zealand before the pandemic hit. So now that they're finally open, that is, that's the plan. Yeah. What do you eat that immediately connects you to a place that you've been? Ooh, good question. Oh no, this isn't rapid fire, but in Croatia, they have these little like sausages that I can't remember the name. They're pronounced, it's like in Croatian and I'm going to butcher it, but they're these like amazing sausages with like lamb meat and like all sorts of different meat. And they're just spiced really deliciously. And because I'm Romanian, my parents actually have them at home. So like every time I eat those, it like brings me back to being in Croatia, like sitting, sitting in front of the beach and eating those little sausages are the best. (laughs) I love, I mean, I think it's amazing how quickly food can like evoke all of those sensations and connections and bring us places. So that's why I love hearing about that. This is one I just added this year, but to the conversation, who is one woman in the travel industry you admire and would love to just recognize in this space and other people listening can check out who they are. Ooh, so her name is She's going to think this is so creepy because I've never actually connected with her. But Lola, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name, maybe Akinmade. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Was yes. she on your podcast? Yes. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So people, <laughs> I'll tag the episode. She's amazing. <laughs> yes, she is so incredible what she's built with local purse. And I just love her authentic vibe. Like she just seems extremely tapped into what the industry needs these days and the work she's doing is impactful and powerful and she's somebody that I'm totally fangirling over so maybe I'll go send her a LinkedIn message after this yeah so if you're listening you can go back to the episode with yeah Lola Kinmare Akerstrom and her partner and they talked about local purse so I agree. I fangirled for a long time before I reached out and was like hey, let's be on my podcast so they're both so amazing who was the person that inspired and encouraged you to set out and explore the world? Oh, my dad. He was, he's like instilled this to me in me in such a young age because he was given the opportunity when he was just a teenager to go on a solo trip during communism in Romania, which we weren't allowed to leave the country actually, but because he had the, the connections to sort of bypass that rule. He was able to leave and travel to Italy and spend a month in Italy, like basically 
learning about the culture, reading books, like getting out of communist Romania. He honestly has inspired me so much at this point because he's told me stories about his travel experiences ever since I was a kid. And his support, like his unwavering support in my travel has been amazing. Like I just feel like every time I set out on a trip, I'm, I'm making him proud. And he's always just had enough resources to, to support my travel at when I was a child. And that's really instilled this sense of like, yeah, just connection to my parents and my dad and also exploring myself more deeply when I was that age. And I actually was able to go spend a month in Italy myself when I was 16. So that was a really cool connection. I feel like that really started and launched my wanderlust. Thank you. The last one is if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Oh my God, this is so hard. I'm really, I don't really, I'm really bad at pop culture. So I can't even think of like a celebrity right now, but who would it be? Who I think is amazing? Celine Cousteau. And I feel like I could just call her up and be like, hey, let's go on a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Did you interview her on your podcast? I, feel I like you did, did, yes. And I would love to to travel with her. So let's just let the universe know that the three of us would like to head off maybe to New Zealand together. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <okay. laughs> while, we're, while we're putting things into the cards. I was also just going to say, I know that one of your aspirations is to become fluent in Spanish. And my next guest that was like her lifelong pursuit was becoming fluent in Spanish and how much that changed the course of her life. I feel like there's such a good flow. You'll have to, you'll have to listen to my conversation with Chelsea Glass to learn about her Spanish learning programs that she has. And yeah, anyway, I love that our, like all of my guests are so interconnected without even knowing that they're interconnected. Um, you did that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> magnetic. <laughs> yeah. Well, Iris, thank you so much. This is so fun. This was like the best conversation I think for launching the season. I think it really shaped some of the things that I want to talk to with some of my other guests. And I can't wait to see how women's work continues to grow and support other women in the industry. And like, we're here for tearing down all of these perceived notions of success and like on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Yes, I love this. Thank you. Thanks, Christine. I so appreciate having the platform to share this kind of these kinds of stories and having your support and what you're doing is incredible. So thank you. And yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up soon. listening to the soul of travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you love this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe, rate the podcast and share the episodes that inspire you with others. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. You can find all the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourns community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here you can learn more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can see details about the transformational sojourns I guide for women, as well as my book Sojourn, 
which offers an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective. Or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or at Solo Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Your story.